You're listening to several ways to live in Mexico City. This used to be a um, monthly, bi-weekly podcast about Mexican food and culture and life in Mexico City. And uh, I used to sit down with my friend Nicholas um, and talk about these things. Now, my friend Nicholas is not here today because he's working. And But... As I mentioned in the last episode, I have a guest. I have a guest. It's another friend of mine whose name is Nicolas. Hello, Nico. Hello, Florian. <laughs> nice to see you again. Yes, nice to see you. Um, Nicolas, sorry, I'll, I'll call you Nico on this. And the, and the reference to Nicolas is, he, he will like that. <laughs> Or not. So, uh, Nicholas, uh, we um, first met in 2014 when we both started our jobs at the German school in Mexico City. So, yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. So, um, Nick is not here, but at least we can talk about Mexico City again, which is awesome. That's awesome, yeah. You that are. That means also that, that we are also somehow continuing a discussion that we had started a few years ago a few years ago yeah that's true uh, because we're still um we're two years uh, pretty much two years ago we the both uh, the two of us we recorded a, a german podcast um sitting on our balcony and on my balcony where also uh, um i think nick and i recorded at least one episode there too yes i think so um And I remember that very fondly. Uh, and also I remember the fish taco place that's around the corner from that yes. <laughs> uh, from that um, balcony. I will probably publish that episode uh, in a few weeks. It's finally f almost finished. <laughs> so then at least the German speakers can learn a bit about you. Uh, but uh, explain to me, so we met in 2014, um, you, were you were living in the same place that you're living in now, right? Can you describe That's to me, right. to us, uh, where you're living, what's, what the, the area is? Um, That's right. I live in, in a part of the city called Condesa. That's not far from the Chapultepec Park. Uh, For people who have been to Mexico City, uh, maybe something that that everyone would recognize, it's Avenida La Reforma. That's the main avenue that crosses the city. And it's not far from the area where, where the main museums are. Yeah, that's, that's where I live. And it's not far from where you and Catherine used to live as well, in Roma. So that's really a very, a very nice part of the city, a, a part of the city where you can walk around safely and live very yeah very very quietly you you wouldn't even notice that you are in one of the largest cities worldwide <laughs> do you do you agree with my with my impression of the of this part of the city yes i mean, it is it is one of the safest places in the city uh certainly one of the nicest there's lots of trees there um, lots of uh, nice little and good restaurants. 
and bars. Um, there's also lots of expats living there, so lots of foreigners. Many, many uh, foreigners live there and in Roma, Norte, and Roma Sur. Uh, and just for the listeners, yes, this is the same Condessa that Nick and I have been talking about uh, uh, many times. Have you been to the new cafe on Amsterdam called Quentin's? No. No, no. Check it out. If you Tell like coffee, okay. uh, go to Quentin. Um, that's that's uh, Nick's favorite place in Mexico City. I'll check it out. Yeah, no, I I don't know it. Well, right now, uh, most cafes are still open just for takeout. But I'll I'll take a look. I'll take a look at it. Yeah. So let's get into that. Um, so uh, we can say you live in a nice part of the city. What is the situation? To, and I'm sorry, let's start again. Um, I wanted to talk to you because you live in Mexico City and we only hear very little new on the news about Mexico and Mexico City. And this is the first episode that is actually uh, the first episode on this podcast that is concerned with current events. Let's call it like that. Because... Uh, The coronavirus has reached Mexico, too. Um, and we want to learn firsthand what the situation is in the city. Uh, and I admit, I fear that Mexico City will be a very, very difficult place in the next months uh, because of its special situation. But let's let's start um, with... with what you're experiencing right now. What is the situation right now for you living in La Condesa? Okay. So the situation for, for me and for my wife living in La Condesa, I would start by telling you that I'm not really sure if we can say something about the general situation uh, firsthand. Of course yeah? not. Yeah, uh, Because it seems to be a part of the city where people have been disciplined so far uh, people have, have maintained social distancing most stores nearby have closed or if it's restaurants as you were saying before this is a part of the city with many restaurants and cafes um, many have closed and others are working just uh, preparing food for for takeout yeah so it's Certainly, a situation where in, in which you you notice clearly that the, that the city or this part of the city is is quiet. Yeah, so um, you don't see that many that many people on the streets, not many cars, um, and that, and that's that's already a, a big change. So it's a part of the city, I would say, where you have the impression that that people are taking care of themselves uh, avoiding avoiding contact with other people and trying to to stay safe and to maintain distance yeah so this sounds a lot like what we what's happening here in Mannheim for example so who is what is the official message being put out there is there are there strict rules uh, and who uh, Who makes those rules? Is this a federal thing or is it a city uh, question? Um, who's responsible there? Okay. And so that 
Yeah, that that leads to the next thing. So I was telling you my my uh, my answer refers to our impressions here in Condesa. Yeah, how it is in other parts of the city is for me very very complicated to to tell at the moment because we we try to stay at home whenever we can. Yeah, so. Um, let me start with this. So you you asked who who makes these rules? Well, the rules aren't aren't very strict. So the rules are just uh, try to stay at home. Yeah, try to avoid contact and uh, who who maintain told you about those rules? Exactly. So those those rules come from the here in Mexico. It's not a it's not called a minister a health ministry, but a, a secretary. So the subsecretary of health is the, the person who people most associate with uh, with rules and with the measures around coronavirus. Uh, so he has he has been the, the person who has who has given this or, or who has announced these these measures. And now I would say starting a couple of weeks ago, the president, Lopez Obrador, has also started backing backing these these measures. So it it may sound sound a bit strange, but it's not that from the beginning uh, you had the impression that his secretary his subsecretary of health and the president were agreeing on the on the necessary measures. Yeah. So to answer concretely your question who who does announce these measures? It's mainly this subsecretary of, of health, Mr. Lopez Gatel is his name. And he's the person who announces every every night uh, what the official figures are um, and what the what the measures should be. Mm -hmm. How are the measures enforced? Or are they enforced? Um they are. Well, the measures are <laughs> Because they are not because they are not uh, mandatory, but just recommendations. So it, every everything has been quite uh, has been stated more like a recommendation than like a, like something that has to be done. So let me try to to separate that. So for example, the closing of of restaurants for 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 clients for for customers. Excuse me, was was mandated by by the federal government mm -hmm. yeah uh, other things like f uh, keeping distance or not walking not not being in in large groups on the street that wasn't indicated as a well that that wasn't mandated but that was just uh, that was recommended yeah mm -hmm. so Given that it's that it's mainly a recommendation, what you hear, it is not clear that things are are being uh, well enforced or somehow controlled. That that things are enforced. Uh, that that things are 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 taking place. Yeah. So it wouldn't happen, for example, excuse me, that you would go out. I don't know in a large group, and for example, the police would come to you and and say you have to. You have to be uh, at most uh, in, in in groups of two or something like that, which, I, if I understand correctly, is the situation in Germany. Um, yes, that's true. Um, if you 
Exactly. If you if you walk around in Mannheim, for example, in the in the city center, or in most of uh, parts of the town, and even uh, in the in the um, parks that are open the, uh, and along the rivers, you see groups of two, uh, and that's it. And it looks like everything's everything is uh, f uh, everyone is following the rules. Now I have a friend uh, who is a policeman, and he was actually he was uh, uh, on vacation in in Panama and Costa Rica, and he got one of the last uh, flights back to Germany, <laughs> uh, and then uh, went straight to uh, Corona duty because. Um, Apparently, there are uh, quite a few people who do not like being told what not to do, and um, they are aggressive and do not. Um, and it's apparently it's not a nice situation for the police uh, to have to deal with that. Um, of course, that's the stories I hear from my friend. Uh, who's a policeman? Uh, I don't see any of that in in the city. But yeah, um, the police walks around and drives around and uh, checks that yes that is true okay okay yeah so there is nothing like like that here aside from the recommendation yeah so everything has been has been dealt with so far as a recommendation rather than something that is that is imposed mm -hmm. so let's back up a little bit and go maybe th a little bit through the last weeks um Just as a reference, uh, I think in Germany, I don't know, we went, I remember we went to a concert at the <laughs> beginning of March because we went to see Fat Freddy's Drop in, in Frankfurt. And that was about the time when everybody said, okay, maybe stay home better. And their concerts in Switzerland were already canceled. But we didn't know it. During that week it was the second week of March. Somehow, uh, our our understanding of the situation changed from ah, "Is this really a big deal? Does it concern us?" to "Okay, we're gonna stay home." That happened in that week, and a few days later, we wouldn't have gone to this concert. But then we didn't know. So that was at the beginning of of March. I and then back up further at the beginning of february we spent uh, a weekend uh, with uh, Catherine's family at neuschwanstein which was a really nice weekend and there there were very few tourists there actually especially there were no chinese people there um so there was a time when there were already no chinese people going abroad uh, on vacation and but we did not think that this would be a big deal at all uh, we just found it funny and enjoyed uh, the area because there were fewer people there um, so it, first when did you first um, notice that this is something big and then What are the, the channels, the, your news channels where you get your information? And then third, maybe our impression of, of or would, let's start with that and then I'll ask the third question. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> let's start with that. When did, I, when did I realize that this was a serious situation? I guess um, 
once once we the teachers heard that that the secretary of education was closing schools two weeks before the easter holidays mm -hmm. this is when i when i thought okay so that's that's a concrete measure that's that's something that is yeah concretely aimed at at reducing contact among mm -hmm. yeah kids so and, when when, uh, when was that mid-march That was, let me check, exactly two weeks before Easter. I'm so mm. bad at uh, with dates, but let me let me check here. Yeah, and let's so also was, say that today is Sunday, April 19th, 2020. <laughs> so let me check here. When did our our holidays start? I'll, I'll tell you in a moment. But really just uh, for everyone who's listening, take like the... Easter beginning of Easter holidays and go two weeks back. Mm -hmm. So that should be mid-March, something like that. Yeah. And so we were supposed to still finish another week of school before entering this mandatory closing of schools. Um, and then the school decided to to just interrupt even this week and say, okay, no, it's 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 not safe to to finish this week. Let's just let's just clarify how we're going to 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 proceed in the coming in a in a coming couple of weeks, and and starting tomorrow, everyone has to has to stay home. So that was for me, not sure, uh, of course, I guess, given that it's that's that's what I do. That was for me the sign that okay, so it's it's getting more serious because. Um, Until then, I have I had had the impression that the, that the government and, and government offices were not were not acting really or, or reacting to the situation. So once I saw that that the schools and, and universities had to close, um, I thought, okay, so this is this is already a situation that they have also also realized is 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 getting yeah it's becoming serious. So. so Well, that's interesting because the, the, there was not a lot of time between you, actually no time between you realizing this was a big deal and you actually working from home. I mean, that, to, to be that, honest, exactly, uh, that's it. I, I think this happened at the same time that they closed down schools and most offices in Germany as well. Mm -hmm. um, this, And that's now that's interesting because Mexico still, we're going to uh, get back to that too, but uh, The the uh, the size of the outbreak in Europe is much larger now than it is in Mexico uh, still today. Yes, uh, from all that uh, I hear, and so and um, so basically, you're still few weeks behind the curve, uh, so to say. Um, And so that that's first of all that is interesting that the schools were closed down that early comparatively. Um, on the other hand, um, everything that I could read about the situation, Mexico uh, always said something like the president doesn't think this is a big deal, doesn't think this is very serious, and says, "Oh, go out to live your life like you usually do." That is what I heard uh, from the news from Mexico. Uh, exactly. How did you experience that? This is this is how we have perceived it as well here from Mexico. So, 
as I was saying in the in the beginning. So now I have the impression that the president and his subsecretary of health um, are more or less on the same page. But that was not my impression in the beginning, as 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 you described it. It's, it was perfect. So. Um, Schools closing down, universities closing down, companies uh, sending their their employees to work from home, not not because it was mandatory, but but as a as a measure taken by the by the companies directly. And on the other hand, the president at the beginning saying, "Okay, no, this this is just a temporary problem, and you should still go out and and go out with your family and." and eat in restaurants, and he was still touring the country and hugging people and shaking hands with people. So in the beginning, it was it was a very... Those were very contradictory messages. On one side, as said, the yeah, measures that were already concrete being taken privately by the companies and mm -hmm. also by the, by the uh, Secretary of Education. And the president uh, downplaying or, or, or ignoring how serious the, the situation was was turning. That has changed a bit, as I said. So now I have the impression that the, that the um, more authoritative voice is his subsecretary of health. And I have the impression now that the president is, is kind of following following the, the advice of the subsecretary of health. And still, as I said, it's This message is not is not a message that intends to to dictate a certain dictate certain uh, mandatory measures, but to recommend, which is, I think, uh, a dangerous a dangerous uh, way of proceeding. That's my 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 opinion. Now we've been talking about these measures, uh, closing down schools and offices, and keeping uh, distance to. Uh, other people now in germany the discussion has now started and it's going to happen that we will loosen these uh, measures a bit especially small stores is, are going to uh, get opened uh, soon and people want to uh, reopen parts of the schools now the the purpose of these measures is uh, i mean it's what Even in Germany, we call it flatten the curve, um, which means so let's not get let's flatten the exponential growth of um, COVID nineteen patients. the The only purpose, the real purpose for doing this is so that we don't have more patients that need intensive care. Um, then we have space in our hospitals. I mean, everybody uh, hears about uh, uh, Italy um, and that in Italy it's so bad. Actually, it's just one one area. It's the Lombardy, uh, from what I understand. Don't. Um, it's the Lombardy where uh, some of they. I don't know why it happened there. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, but there, it's the case that there are more more patients than they have. Uh, intensive care beds in the hospitals and that is a situation where that's really really bad because you have patients that really need intensive care and uh, ventilators and stuff but you cannot treat them 
So, in Germany, we are now in the position where we um, we had strict measures, fairly strict measures, and um, our hospitals are not overwhelmed. There, there's still a lot of capacity for treating patients, and that is a good thing. Now, and it makes absolutely makes sense to because we cannot just stay home forever we we loosen these measures and but try to loosen them in a way that does not there will be more infections because of that but we try to manage this and still keep enough hospital beds to treat all patients so in germany we have a lot of hospital beds and a not a lot of uh, beds in uh, uh, icus so I think this could work. What is the plan for Mexico and especially Mexico City? Mexico City had 20, has more than 22 million inhabitants. And um, the uh, health system, while not being awful, uh, is certainly worse than in Germany. So what is the idea of how this is going to work out over the next two months, three months, six months. Um, because you can't keep up the, you can't keep the school clo schools closed. You can't keep all the, the companies closed for six months. But if you don't, then you get a lot of sick people and you see where I'm going. I'm confused yeah. in general. And, but what, so what, uh, do you think is going to happen? We're talking about Mexico City here, and what are what is uh, are the politicians saying that how this could work out over the course of the year? How this could work out? So let's also go go back a bit. So I was saying how the how the discourse of the president changed in the in the last couple of weeks. So in the beginning, when he was still saying that this was just a a temporary condition, a temporary situation that would that would be more or less easily managed. He was just saying, oh, we have the resources. Never mentioning, never saying concretely what those resources were that, that he was that he was talking about. But his discourse was really always, yeah, we, we have we have the resources. And he would say exactly the same thing relating to to uh, money. Well, to to financial resources to to uh, help help in the recovery in a recovery situation, and as well uh, talking about uh, beds in intensive care units. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my impression is that he played very much this card of just uh, being positive about being being uh, well having a, a positive message. Uh, to try to, well, to try to, to to avoid panic and to try to avoid, yeah, people, yeah, people, uh, um, yeah, people panicking and people people worrying too much about the situation. I I don't have to. Well, right now, as I said, his his message has changed a little bit, and he's he's following what what his subsecretary of health uh, tells him, and. Um, Right now, I, I still haven't haven't seen that that the government in any situation says concretely what they mean, what what they really mean when they say that that Mexico is prepared to to yeah. to, yeah. to take care of the of the of the people who 
who who have the coronavirus. So what I what I think is is that the the, the communication strategy has has tended to to emphasize that for now Mexico seems to be really controlling or keeping keeping the the numbers of new infected daily infect new daily infected people relatively low and i think that the communications tend to to emphasize that instead of of talking about concretely how many beds there are how which hospitals still have capacities and which don't etc so no concrete indication aside from okay we have these and these figures that show us that the that the growth is not as is not as fast as in as in other places yeah so how many people get tested in mexico <laughs> that's 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 a good question exactly so either i don't know or if it's not or or it may be the case that it's not really communicated but i, I don't know exactly how many beds there are there are available it doesn't seem so far that the country is um, is in a in a critical situation so i haven't heard either that that there are hospitals for example that cannot take take any any more sick patients and uh, I, i i haven't heard of any any such crisis as much as you hear it for example from ecuador nowadays yeah, yeah? from from the city of guayaquil it's not the case in mexico so that that would be my only criterion to say in the mo uh, to say at this moment uh, the situation seems to be not as as bad as as one would think and at the same time there are no no ways for uh, for for us as as people who live here to know what exactly the situation is as much as germans keep informing how many beds are being used where, what percentage of the of the capacities this is we have no such indications or they are not being communicated as much as as they are communicated in germany yeah before we started recording we you already mentioned that you don't really understand why the situation is not as bad yet in mexico city because uh, you and i were both studied physics and mathematics mm -hmm. and uh, we know how exponential growth works and um, this is something so let's i can mostly talk about german uh, the german situation of course um, here we apparently avoided uh, a, a bad, very bad situation And it feels like um, th there was no real danger and we had it under control all the time. But there are experts saying that, okay, if we had started uh, with our measures two weeks later, then we might have gotten a situation like it was in Italy. Mm -hmm. uh, because you can't, because exponential growth is <laughs> really, really fast. And uh, so I personally, I don't, I would not understand how uh, Mexico City will not uh, be a bad place in a few weeks. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't happen, but I wouldn't understand why it, it doesn't happen. Um so the reasons why I think Mexico City is a, a bad place, uh, especially, is because 
the air quality <laughs> in Mexico City is really, really bad. Maybe now it's better with less traffic. So that's good. How, how good is the air right now? Do you see the, the sky? Yeah, no, no, not really. It's so you know, well, this time of the year, this is we're, we're right in the well, it's the spring here, but we are coming out from a very, very dry winter. Yeah. To uh, well, it's still very dry, so it's still a very dry beginning of the spring. So it it hasn't really rained in a couple in a couple of months. I mean, like well, every now and then, sure. there is a, a, a drizzle, but but a, a real rain we haven't had any, and so the the air is is quite polluted. Yeah. It's everything is dry, so you have a lot of dust everywhere, and. Uh, yeah, the, the city is just dusty at the moment, so it's it's I, not a good I air quality. Despite is. the traffic having, uh, as you said, like uh, reduced yeah. significantly. So really, really bad air. Then uh, many, many Mexicans are overweight, uh, mm. and that is apparently a problem. Well, it's a problem in general, but uh, also with this uh, uh, illness and. Something I learned last week is that 10% of all Mexicans have diabetes. Mm. Did you know that? I didn't know it was 10%, but I did, I did know that, it, that diabetes is a, is a real issue here in Mexico. Yeah. So th these are not very good uh, preconditions uh, to, uh, and for something like the coronavirus. Uh, so that is, th th these are my thoughts, right? I don't want to... <sighs> I don't know. I have big fears that uh, this is going to be a real problem. But so as we already talked about, right now it doesn't look like it. And you don't understand why there's not more cases in the city right now. Exactly. As you were saying, that was my question to you as well before we started recording. And I don't understand it mainly because, um, if I understand correctly, the really the almost the only measure that 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 seems to be working right now is social distancing. Uh, until there is a vaccine, there is no other thing that uh, that seems to be as effective as, as social distancing. And as as I was saying, I will try here to to tie some of the things that I that I have mentioned previously and it's um, that in this part of the city where we're right now yeah. in Condesa and around uh, Reforma where the main companies are located the companies themselves were very very disciplined and very careful in, in sending their employees to work from home so that was I think the correct thing to do but um, as is also the case in, in other Latin American countries. Most of, the, of people in Mexico don't work at such companies, but mm -hmm. people live mainly from non-formal, informal economies. Yeah. That means people sell tacos on the street, people uh, clean, clean your, um, your windshields from the car and, and, uh, and the traffic lights. Uh, and... These are all people who can't stay at home. They just earn the money they need for that day. And they are sadly not in a, in a situation to stay at home. And there is nothing like a social system as there is in Germany with, uh, 
with some uh, financial aid for people who are who are independent workers, for example, or for some stores that had to close, something like that. There is nothing in place like that in Mexico at the moment. And that means that people who have to, to earn their living every every day um, still have to go out. It has it has been very visible in the in the last couple of days that um, restaurants and cafes have closed. As I was saying to the to the public, they still keep a, a window open to to well to, to to deliver orders for takeout and for uh, and for the delivery services. But then you see the situation that the this legal established restaurant has to close. And right in front of the restaurant, on the sidewalk, you see the taco, the taco, uh, the taco vendor, and he's the whole day there. He doesn't have to close. So, given that that these are these are just occupations that are not that are not regulated, that are not legal, sadly, um, they don't have to to comply with any with any rules. So that has led, yeah, that has led to a situation where. Many people simply don't stay at home because they don't, they cannot they cannot afford it. Uh, but it has made social distancing less effective than than it should than it should than it should in reality be. Yeah, I I just can't imagine. I mean, um, millions of Mexicans take the um, colectivo or take the metro uh, into the city. Um, from where they live and uh, well you have been on the metro in rush hour I assume mm -hmm. I have too <laughs> and um, so that's that's a place where a lot of people uh, are together in small spaces which is the worst you can do uh, in this uh, if you want to you know prevent uh, this virus from spreading on the other hand what should they do exactly right? I think that's the point what should they do Many people can't stop. Uh, and also, um, very different from Germany, a lot of life happens on the street. And in general, I, I think Mexicans are much more social. They need the human in interaction much more than us Germans need. Uh, and we have to say, you are Colombian. Um, but, I mean, it, is it so different in Colombia than it is in Mexico? There's much more, much more life on the street here in Mexico than than in Bogota. Ah, yeah, yeah? Okay. okay. So uh, it is, it is very noticeable here how normal it is to really take your lunch break and not go somewhere and sit down to eat, but just go to the next taco, to the next taco uh, vendor and and eat your tacos on the street. And that's precisely what I was saying. So. These vendors are are still are still on the on the streets. Of course, they they have to. They they cannot they cannot close. Yeah, and as you were saying, many people have still to go to work. And in such a city, the only the only possibility that you have is to to get in the subway and well and and travel across across the city. We haven't taken the subway in many in many weeks now. Um. I'm sure that there aren't as many people as as there would be in a in a more regular time, but I'm sure that 
that the metro is still full. Yeah, yeah. you you know it as you were saying metro in the rush hour. Um, I said I'm, I'm sure it's not as as packed as is as as it is in in a regular week, but it must be still full. We were talking a few days ago with friends uh, about the situation, and one of them was was mentioning how you see some strict measures starting to happen in a sense for example that when people take the combi the small small mm -hmm. buses mm -hmm. uh, people have to stand in line keeping the distance of i don't know two meters yeah. between each uh, between uh, to the to the next person so people stand in line keeping the distances and once they get on the combi <laughs> they sit a few centimeters away from from the from the next person so in the end how how effective is is that that's not and and you you can only ask if the if the only effective thing would would be to just close down things and say no nobody really is allowed to go out nobody nobody's allowed to, to go out or or you can just do it uh, on alternating days or something like that which are measures that have been taken in places like bogota or lima in peru yeah similarly similarly crowded cities cities with a similar situation uh, What the, uh, related to economy that people live from these kind of informal jobs, but where the yeah where, where the city governments and the and the and the central governments have said no we have to take strict measures, mm -hmm. and these are the measures that I still haven't seen here in Mexico. Okay, um, let's let's get away from this. Um, I, I think we're going to talk again in a few weeks. I'm sure of it, and but let's go to where you work. Let's go to the German school. I've uh, talked about the German school on this podcast before. Um, you work there as a physics teacher, physics and maths, right? Yes, and and you basically are um, are a German teacher. So you were hired because I mean you were hired from Canada. And you studied in Germany, and you speak uh, very well German, and so you are not hired as a Mexican uh, local teacher, but as a German teacher from abroad, basically. Um, which is why you can afford to live in Condesa. <laughs> yes, yeah? that's that's it. So uh, the SEP, the the uh, the school secretary, right? Um, mm -hmm. they closed down all schools in March um, what happened then at the school what 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 happened in the next in the in the following weeks uh, how did you um, do your job how did you teach um, what happened there okay so the situation is okay two weeks two weeks prior to the Easter holidays the schools were in all the country were closed schools and universities but uh, it's not that the vacations were somehow uh, pushed forward or something but just that that the yeah courses in the universities and and lessons and, and classes had to be given online so I had already two weeks of online of online classes. Uh, math, math and physics, as you were saying, 
And the idea is that starting tomorrow, we will have the same. So it's not that the schools are closed. We cannot go to school, but we have to teach our students from home. Yeah. And you were asking how I have done it concretely. Yeah. I have to say that math and physics are, are probably the, the two subjects that are so I, so I think the easiest to teach online mm -hmm. for, for a reason. And it's that in math, you, you have to, well, you go in very, in very small steps in, in school math. You, you go in very, very small steps that, and you can reproduce that kind of, this kind of reasoning in small steps using, using a tablet computer as a, as a replacement for your, for your, for your um, blackboard. So very concretely, um, what tools are yes. you using? I use, well, I, I write on my, my iPad and I use a, an app called Notability. Yeah. And with Notability, I can, well, what I do is that I'm, I'm writing my, my equations, I'm writing my diagrams, I'm using lots of colors, and I'm recording my, my, my screen. Mm -hmm. and simultaneously speaking yeah so i i have some some videos with lessons and i think that the videos are are easily understandable so i have done my my own videos and they are in youtube but as i was saying i think that math is a is a subject that allows to do such such things in a way that doesn't interrupt too much the like the, the the regular flow of your of your of your class. So you've been pre-recording your lessons uh, yes. and produced a video and uploaded that to YouTube, and then your students could watch that um, video. Exactly, that's how it is. So I have short videos. I don't know; they are ten to fifteen minutes long. And at the end of the video, I say, "Well, related to this lesson, please." solve exercises this and this from page blah 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 from your math book yeah so this kind of structure also of the of the mathematics books makes it i think quite or relatively easy to to structure online lessons in that in that way yeah? how do you communicate with your students I have a I have a website a, a padlet and this is where I upload my my videos And then I have a like a column in that Padlet, in just indicating just a, as a date, saying, "Okay, I don't know, today's the nineteenth of April. Uh, your homework is watch this video and then solve this exercise." So it's been really mostly a communication based on this on this uh, website, on this Padlet, and on my YouTube videos. And what I have also offered is like uh, voluntary uh, meetings through Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do to that on a voluntary basis just because I'm, I'm not really sure how that could work out in, if, I, if I try to teach my whole, my whole class with 23 students. I think it would be, yeah, it would be a chaos. So I, I decided for now, I don't know if I will keep on doing this on a voluntary basis to offer it more like a yeah like a, if you if you guys have questions after watching the video and after trying to solve the the exercises and i also upload the solutions to these to these exercises if the students have the impression that they still want to to ask something or to show me some of their 
of their uh, of the of the ways they, they are they are proceeding then we can meet on zoom and mm-hmm. we can meet through zoom and and have a a conversation all this sounds very much like you personally found solutions to the problem that you had to keep on teaching your students but is there any help from the school or the sap uh, any infrastructure anything at all that helps maybe every teacher uh, to deal with that from the sap so from the from the secretary of education not really aside from the well, from the instructions that we have to 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 continue with our lessons from the school um well the school got a a paid account of, of uh, for Padlet. Okay, this and Padlet thing I have to look at later. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing because it it allows to, you to create very simple, very simple and and and, and well structured uh, websites. So I see it mainly as a website that is very like very plain. It doesn't oh. it doesn't lead you to to further to further sites but it keeps everything on, on like a like a desktop and you have something that looks like a desktop where you can link to pages where you can write short uh, short text or or where you can uh, upload documents so it's a for me i i see it just as a as a very simple website and in, in such a situation, being it, it being very simple is is, is is a is an advantage because it allows me to just have a text or a video or a link to to a website that that is important. So yeah, the school acquired a, a license for for all Padlet. Right. That means mm-hmm. all of us, all of us, the teachers, uh, we have access to unlimited Padlets. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good thing to do. I, I'm still thinking whether I. I will keep one Padlet for one class or have, as some of my colleagues have done, and I think also with good results, one Padlet for um, for the instructions and one Padlet to actually submit submit the the, the assignments. Yeah. That keeps it is keeps it simple and more uh, well that, that that keeps the whole Padlet a bit more more accessible than if you have thousands of columns with uh, information and another column with videos and another column with uh, i don't know for for questions yeah. for, from students yeah. yeah i hadn't heard about this so that's padlet.com uh, i have to look at that mm-hmm. um have you yeah, so that, discussed that using moodle or anything like that no you but you have discussed. heard of moodle before i have heard i, ha- it, I haven't but, uh, used it i just know that it's the uh, standard tool to use for schools especially for you know uh giving exercises and then for the students to submit the solutions and so on and i know that um so my father um he takes care or he helps some students especially um uh some children from refugee uh, families uh, that are living in in his uh, village and so he had to deal with moodle for example and interestingly enough the school has no idea how to use that and especially not the teachers at least the teacher that he is dealing with anyways uh, so i have no idea how moodle works i wanted to set it up uh, just to look around and maybe help catherine with that because uh 
No, I, I, yeah, nobody listens to this. So Catherine's school did not offer any help at all. Not, not anything. So this Padlet thing that is so much better. Uh, I haven't looked at it yet, but it's so much better than what C C Catherine got. So she, I mean, she, Catherine was happy to have me because I could set up a few things and show her Zoom, etc. Now, of course, uh, one more thing happened at the school. Um, and I heard that from Catherine because she talked to Beatrice. And <laughs> so there are a lot of German teachers usually at the school, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Not too many, yeah. <laughs> and of course, yeah, Germany, well, the German government offered the German teachers, and I think not only German teachers, but German citizens living in Mexico, living abroad generally, the, the, the option to return to Germany, yeah. Once, once it was clear that the situation was not entirely <laughs> under control. Um, yeah, some... Some of, of our colleagues made use of it. So that means they are yeah, they are now they're now in the situation as we were discussing before the recording of having to teach now with a time difference, which will be which will make things a bit more complicated, I think. But well, we we will see starting tomorrow, because the indic indication from school is that we should try to to comply with the with the schedules that means i'm still trying to figure it, it out for tomorrow but that means i would have to teach mathematics tomorrow from 7:50 to 9:20 and as i was saying my method until now had been to record a video and allow allow my students to take a look at the video whenever it fits them so it seems that we have to comply with the with the schedule and i don't well, I don't really understand at the moment how for me, but if we really have, so if it means, for example, that we have to, we have to start a Zoom conference at a certain time, well, that will make it very complicated for the colleagues who are who are in Germany and who and who will have to start their conversa conversations at one in the morning. Yeah. Because the time difference, as uh, we found out today, is still seven hours. Nothing changed there. <laughs> Nothing changed. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that again. Uh, I'm, I'll be curious to hear about uh, how this plays out in, in maybe in a few weeks. Um, yeah. Maybe last topic. Um, you are planning to move to Germany. That's our plan, yes. Because you have a contract with a from what I understand, it's a private school near Bremen. Correct? Yes, that's it. Uh, so you're going to be a teacher in Germany, which is really, really cool. And Angelica will uh, join you, of course, yeah. and and um, come to Germany, which is amazing. And so do you have any problems? Is everything set up? Will you come to Germany? <laughs> oh, what's happening there? Not everything, not everything is set up. So... Most of it, I would say, um, I had very good communication with the with the school director in Bremen. She sent me my my job offer, which in Germany is a very a very strong thing. The verbindliches Vertragsangebot, like how would you say that in 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 English? So it's a it's a job offer that is. Uh, 
verbindlich that is a, what, that that creates a compromise that create, no, no, well, it's a, a contract yeah it's 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 a contract that hasn't been signed yet so it, mm -hmm. it's still it still needs my my signature and it still needs my a work permit for me and that's that's a topic at the moment so i have this document um the offer is valid and uh, well i need to apply for a for a work permit at the german embassy and right now the visa section of the of the german embassy has closed for those kinds of applications and they are only accepting applications for well for emergency situations if a relative dies in germany or mm. is sick in germany and the, the third situation is um, for people who are becoming parents in germany and are for some reason here in mexico so that those are the only the only situations that uh, that the visa section is considering right now and I, i think it's completely understandable that means just for me that i have my documents ready to to hand them in at the embassy and apply for my work permit and at the moment it's not possible i just have to wait until the the visa section op opens again Yeah. So, yeah. You were asking if if everything is solved. That's that's the part that I'm that I'm wake, working for, uh, waiting for. Excuse me. Sure. But um, I don't know. For some reason, seeing really how how complicated the situation has has turned out to be, I'm not worrying about that. I just I'm just thinking if if it really takes a couple of weeks still or or months until until they can open, it really means that the situation is so complicated that there are better things that the embassy is taking care of yeah yeah Or, but yeah that's the plan you were right that's the mm -hmm. plan and if everything works out we will be starting in starting in august we'll be living in in bremen nice yeah. and then we can see each other again too that's that's very Should good be very good all right uh thank you very much nico um as i said before i'm much. pretty sure we're gonna talk again And uh, yes, you think so. certainly are um, the person with the best audio <laughs> that I usually <laughs> talk to. <laughs> you have a similar setup as I do, uh, which is great. Um, yeah. Well, good luck. Um, well, Thank actually, you, you are lucky. Just like us uh, living here, uh, we have a large apartment and I can work from home. And Angelica can work from home and you basically can work from home. And we both we are both in a very very lucky situation exactly so you don't so need more luck very fortunate <laughs> yeah exactly we're very fortunate to yeah we can work from home and uh, we're healthy our families are healthy and so that's that's all very good in such a in such a situation okay mm -hmm. so let's keep it that way say hello to angelica and i will thank, thank you. you very much for inviting me <laughs> say hi to katrin as well and Yeah, we will see each other in a, in a couple of, of weeks, virtually, I think, and maybe in a couple of months. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much. <laughs>